0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Hello and welcome into another edition of Live from West End. My name is Bryce Smith. I'm your host. And we're going to be uh, podcasting for the last time of the year here in the RAND basement as we're about to go on winter break. But before we do, going to recap uh, a win over Memorial Gymnasium last night as the men took home their second in a row over Pittsburgh. Uh, second game in a row, this one over Pittsburgh with a 75-74 nail-biting win right at the end. I was over there along with our deputy sports editor, Anish Maga, who's uh, here joined with us on the show. We've got Aiden in here per usual as well. So, um, big for Jerry Stackhouse's crew to get a win. What did you guys think about last night's 75-74 win over Pittsburgh?
0: Yeah, I mean, we were talking when we left uh, Memorial last night, Bryce, and the thing that we both share is that we usually lose that game. Uh, yeah. It it's good to see some growth from this group under Stackhouse. Uh, it was good to see the veterans stepping up, specifically Robbins and Joe Wright, which we can talk a little bit about. Uh, in a bit, Um, but it it was just good to see a win in those types of circumstances. I thought Tyron Lawrence obviously stepped up down the stretch. You also saw the bench guys like Ansong and Trey Thomas step up, um, and it was just great to see. Yeah, speaking of
2: Trey Thomas, I've been really impressed with him the past couple weeks. I was at the Wofford game covering it, and then I watched this game last night. Mm -hmm. I think he has played really well. I think there have been a few times where they've really needed a bucket and it's felt like nothing was going right offensively. He's had some nice defensive plays. He has provided like a nice spark, which I kind of think is – his role on this team, and he's continuing to grow into that, which is nice to see.
0: Yeah, I would say the weird thing, too, is I was just looking at the box score. He only shot three for 11 last night and three for 10 from three, which watching the game, you wouldn't think so, because as you kind of mentioned, he really stepped up in those moments. Uh, I can think of a three he hit with under two minutes left when the game seemed like it was getting out of hand, and it really kept the, uh, Vandy in it. So I would agree with that. Even though the box score might not show it, um, he stepped up pretty big uh, since his return.
1: Yeah, I think you guys are completely right, and... Um, I mean, Trey, it's interesting, right? He's always been known kind of as a microwave scorer guy. He's not the biggest, probably not the best defensively that Vanderbilt has. And certainly at times against certain teams, he's kind of uh, a liability out there. Uh, I think that early in this season, he's been able to do his job really effectively, which is coming in and hit shots. And I actually thought even yesterday, for the first time, he was able to provide something when he wasn't necessarily hitting shots, like you said, on his three of ten from deep. But I just think his spacing on a team like this with not a ton of shooters and the the ability that he's able to have on a defense in terms of spreading out the offense or spreading out the the opposing defense. Um, so Vanderbilt can get some driving lanes for a guy like Tyron Lawrence or a guy like Jordan Wright has been really important. Cause that's something that, that Vanderbilt struggled with and we talked about earlier in this season is kind of this um, you know, uh lack of spacing, I guess you could call it, that they've had in the paint, but whether it be because of having Liam Robbins and QMB or because you don't have a guy like Scotty Pippen you know, running at the point.
0: Yeah, and not just uh, that spacing aspect, which he definitely brings, but I also say a lot of the lineups that Stackhouse has been deferring to early in the season don't really have a lot of ball handling. That's something Bryce and I were talking about last night is that a lot of the times it's just Mannon and maybe Joe Wright there as kind of a secondary ball handler. And I think trade, having Trey Thomas out there kind of gives the offense a little more diamond... Dynamism in terms of the pick and roll um, and kind of who can bring the ball up especially when they're getting pressed as they were uh, at the end of the game last night Yeah, I think he's a super capable
2: offensive player and I think he alleviates a lot of the pressure From a lot of these guys and like you said Bryce I, This team can never have too many shooters. I think yeah, even with Trey Thomas shooting well Probably not quite enough guys that you trust from outside on the roster, but He definitely makes a huge difference because without him. It's really just studi
1: right I and I think Included in that is Jordan, you know, not being fully healthy, which yeah. we saw last night. He proved to be a pretty capable shooter last season, but clearly something not right with him. And I just want to highlight that real quick because I thought a really gutsy performance for him. And, and Stackhouse talked about it in the press conference, being able to have him come off the bench and provide that veteran presence and that leadership that this team needs. I thought was huge last night. I thought it was probably his best game of the year. Obviously, not the most points that he scored or the most efficient that he's been, but really kind of put the team on his back emotionally, I thought. And they struggled with him down the stretch. And I think, as you guys had mentioned, part of that is because of the lack of shooters and, and the defensive intensity ratcheting up from Pitt at the end. And another part of it, I think, is this lack of ball handlers that this team has kind of um, showcased or developed over the course of this season so far. It's interesting. It's kind of a, a double-edged sword, right? Because I think that we've seen early on that, that Ezra Manion has, has struggled. He's been really good defensively, but he hasn't necessarily been able to find his own shot offensively. He hasn't created a lot. And he was a minus 14 last night, which was worse on the team. He's really not giving you a lot at that point guard spot, which is, like we've said, the place where you were getting the most production the last couple of years with Scottie Pippen Jr. But at the same time, you think about the very end of the game and... Who do you want to have the ball in their hands, really, to to be dribbling it up? It's not a guy like Trey Thomas. It's definitely not a guy like Miles Studi. It's probably not a guy like Tyron Lawrence. And so I have to give credit where it's due. Ezra, at the end of the game, able to step up, um, be that guy who you you trust with the ball and and make a play, and he was able to dump it off to Tyron Lawrence for the win, who hit down the two free throws, or knocked down the two free throws um, to to get Vanderbilt over the hump here.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely not the best statistical performance from Ezra last night, um, but I think something that we saw during the game, Bryce, was at least, I think it was uh, early the second half, Ezra actually stepped up and hit two mid-range jumpers in a row. Yeah, I did. something we were really begging him to do. Um, something that we saw that was happening, I mean, last night and throughout the whole season in general, is that whenever they get into pick and roll with Ezra, the defender will always go under, and he refuses to step up and just take that shot, and I think... Uh, it's kind of like the Ben Simmons discussion. It's like you have to show at least a willingness to shoot it or the defense is not going to give you any respect. And mm-hmm. I think that has kind of contributed um to just this overall spacing issues that we've been talking about. But I would agree that, you know, definitely a huge play down the stretch, obviously setting up Tyron uh to get to the rim. Yeah. I mean he has incredible downhill speed and he gets to the rim faster than pretty He's much quick, anybody.
2: right? Yeah. But at a certain point when the defender is two, three steps in front of you because you're not shooting the ball, like you're not going to get past him no matter how fast you are.
1: Right, and and he's dealing with a little bit of being undersized and, and having to, to make that jump at the rim, yeah. whereas like a Ben Simmons is obviously has the physical capabilities and maybe not necessarily the touch. I think another aspect of last night that was interesting, flipping to the other side, Pitt shot the lights out of the ball, 12 for 25 from three, almost 50% from the field overall. Do you guys think that was more of, I mean, we've talked about how Ezra's been... Uh, stellar defensively Um, and there's been some individual performances that have been good defensively but did you guys feel like that was more of Pitt kind of having a a great night and and maybe a bit of an anomaly or something that Vanderbilt wasn't doing defensively to stop them from from getting that many shots
0: I would say um, I would say in my opinion I think it was just a crazy shooting performance from Pitt Uh, I think Bryce we looked at the stats before the game I think they were shooting like about 30 percent from three on the season as a Mm -hmm. team um, and they just had these crazy heat check moments uh, credit to uh, guard Greg Elliott. He was hitting everything doing his best Jordan Poole impression um, <laughs> And they also had uh, this big man John Hewley who was pulling from the logo at some points It was just a crazy shooting performance um, But I mean it also speaks to the character of Vanderbilt that they were able to overcome that and despite these I mean really big-time demoralizing threes um, We're still able to, to fight back in the end. I do think that Part of it is a product of the fact that they were just shooting well and obviously teams just
2: get hot and it spreads and the whole team gets hot. Mm -hmm. That being said, there were definitely a few possessions where they hit three-pointers where the announcers even said it, like, how is he so open? Yeah, there were some wide-open threes. threes. And And that is sort of, I feel like, where it starts to get you because as soon as they start getting open looks and they start getting in a rhythm open, they're going to get in that rhythm even when you're playing good defense. So you need to prevent that from happening altogether, and that will make even more of a difference.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, Aiden. I think it's a little bit of a mix of both. And yeah. I I also agree with you, Anshin, that the big takeaway I think from this one is that you were able to get over the hump despite that happening. I think we've yeah. seen so many times Memorial a lot teams come in and, and shoot really well so many times this Vanderbilt team collapsed down the stretch. I think about a Florida last year or even um, you know, Xavier or some of those games the NIT for Vanderbilt to hang on to this one early in the season I thought was was really encouraging um, and, and another interesting big picture point that I have just kind of specifically from last night Vanderbilt played 10 people 11 if you include Graham Colton Cal, uh, sorry um, 11 guys last night and it still feels like this rotation is being sorted out Ansong gave you some good minutes, like you had mentioned, Anish, uh, Trey Thomas, Jordan, right off the bench as well. I thought Lee Dort looked really good in the first half, kind of bringing in a, an energy plug. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse called him his pit bull, someone that he can go <laughs> in and, and knows that he's going to you know get a block or two, get some rebounds, and, and play some bully ball a bit. I thought he had some really nice, moment, plus, really nice moments. He was a plus seven in just four minutes. Only a little bit of Colin Smith, um, but I think still... Um, a lot to figure out in this rotation as we you know head towards the end of non-conference.
0: Yeah, and I think something to point out with that is that I think we don't really have clarity still about what the role of the freshman on this team is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, as you kind of mentioned, Graham Colton got some minutes, uh, and he played more than Lee Dort and Colin Smith. And it's just kind of confusing to me uh, where Stackhouse sees this going with the freshman. I don't know if he's just trying to bring them along slowly, which we've kind of seen in the past, or if maybe they're just pl- not playing up to speed or where it, uh, he wants them to be. Um, but I would say it's been a little bit disappointing, um, especially Colin Smith, who I thought was pretty good in the first couple of games of the season, uh, kind of seeing him fall out of the rotation uh, and not really get any opportunities.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I've harped, I think, literally every episode since we first did that an, an analysis way back in September or October that I think Colin Smith can be the X factor for this team, and I think he could be, you know, that guy down the stretch. And I think he's gotten minutes in certain games where he's played, you know, 20-plus, but he's also had games like this where he played 3 minutes and 44 seconds, and it's confusing. Um, but one stat I want to point out that I think really lends itself to why Vanderbilt won this game because it was, it was a sloppy game towards the end. You could tell the players were fatigued, but Vanderbilt, 30 bench points to pits four. Yeah. The, the bench Great point won in, them this game, yep. and you know that ability to have that depth, I know some of these guys aren't playing as much or as well as we maybe thought, but the ability to just have you know, 10 or 11 guys to go to to keep the legs fresh of some of the, the top guys, you know, that makes all the difference. That depth was huge, I thought, and I think it's, again, kind of a, a differentiation
1: from teams we've seen in the past. And though this team hasn't necessarily figured out the ro- that rotation, to be able to to go that many deep, like you said, Aiden, is um, a good thing to have. And yeah. I think about someone that played early in the season who hasn't even been back, Paul Lewis. We talk mm-hmm. about the ball handler question and, and who kind of steps up there. He's going to play when he comes back and whenever that is. And that's another guy that you have in this rotation, getting in to like 11 guys. One thing that'll be nice for Vanderbilt is you're going to get Grambling State tomorrow and then a break. So you're going to have um, a nice little finals break to kind of rest everyone up, thinking about like a Jordan right there. And then after that, um, after that break, you're going to have NC State in Chicago, which will be a good resume building opportunity for Vanderbilt. Then you've got your two easiest games of the entire non-conference to finish out December. They're playing just four games for the rest of the month. So I think in terms of A figuring out that rotation and really trying to solidify it before we get into SEC play and B, um, you know, getting healthy, getting a Paul Lewis back, getting a Jordan Wright fully healthy will be pretty big over this next month here.
2: Yeah, I don't think that Jordan Wright's impact on this team can be understated. He gets downhill, he is so physical, he gets to the mm-hmm. rim like it is hard to stop him in a one-on-one setting. That double comes, and all of a sudden, there's Studi in the corner. There's Trey Thomas. He was in the showing corner. a
1: little Scotty Pippen last night with those uh, pump fakes yeah. and stuff.
2: Yeah, I think he, I've t- I talked about it last week or two weeks ago. When he's aggressive, he is at his best. Like, yeah. he, it's, it, for me, I feel like it's a lot about confidence for him. And I think when he is aggressive and he has that mindset of, yes, I'm the best player on this team, on this court, I can take over. The team is that much better.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that, Something we've seen is obviously the health is not fully there, but when he has that mentality, like you're saying, Aiden, it creates really good opportunities for this team. Yeah,
0: And I think also, uh, Bryce, I don't know if you caught in the pressure last night, but Stack was saying, I still haven't really figured out his role in terms of do I want him coming off the bench? You know, He Mm -hmm. acknowledged that he's, if not the best player, one of the best players on the team. But I think because of that lack of playmaking that they're seeing, that they might be forced to go to him as an option off the bench, kind of just to plug in uh, when they're lacking. So I think it's a pretty interesting dynamic that they've created right now of – they don't really have many playmakers, many ball-handlers at all, and that's gonna that potentially could force one of their best players or maybe their best player uh, to come off the bench.
1: Yeah, great point. So the, as I said, the men will face off against Grambling State tomorrow night at Memorial Gym again before they go on a break and then face NC State at the United Center in Chicago. Flipping over to the other side, um, the women have only played one game since our last podcast, a loss to UT Martin on the road. Um, it was at home. Oh, it was at home. My yeah. bad. Yeah. 66 to 54 uh, at Memorial Gymnasium. Oh, yeah. That was last Sunday. That, that's, uh, I'm forgetting because for a, a poor reason. And that's because the, the losses have started to add up here for this team <laughs> yep. two in a row. And, and the, the main thing that's come out of those is is really a lack of scoring for this team. The reason being uh, Harbison, their leading scorer thus far, and kind of go to scorer. Um, player at the point has gotten injured and and that's left a a huge hole in this team. Who's already battling uh, enough injuries as it is. So last few games, Vanderbilt scored 31 points uh, against ETSU and a 13 point loss. And then 54 on Sunday against UT Martin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that's something that I, find it kind of interesting, uh, looking at you know just that box score from last game, is that they haven't really been able to find a second score uh, at all. I mean, well, they have Gar- Garad obviously, but after her, it's really just a bunch of freshmen and kind of forwards uh, who haven't been able to make a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking specifically at the freshmen at Amari Williams and Ryan Allen. I wrote a Memorial Minutes uh, two weeks back that, you know, given this inconsistency, maybe they could look towards them, um, but they only played 14 and 21 minutes, respectively. Um so I think this team is just really, really struggling uh, for a tertiary playmaker, someone they can turn the offense to when Harbison and Garad are either injured or just not playing as well. And I think we're really seeing um, just how bad they need that third playmaker over the past couple of weeks.
2: yeah, and it's very interesting because they do have the shooting like the shot seven for 12 from downtown in this game against UT Martin. I feel like part of it for them is finding someone who is willing to just let it fly, who is willing to just like you know go on offense because if there's no Harbison, Garrod had 19 points. She played great. But, you know, after that, not a lot of shots to even go around. I I don't – they're missing someone to just, like, fill in that void.
1: And I think that the thing that we've talked about so much on this podcast is you're missing Harbison. You're missing Ayanna Moore. You're missing Jordan Cambridge. You're missing people that transferred out and stuff. You're missing a ton of who you thought were going to be. You know, I think about a Brené Alexander and, and people like that. Yep who weren't even supposed to be here. But last year, who you would go to and who you're going to on this team are like that. Like Chambers and Washington were fifth and sixth options on last year's teams. Yes, they were a year younger, but they're not necessarily the players that you want to have to ask to get you 20 points any given night. And I think that that's hurt Vanderbilt. And we're at the point where this depth is just stretched extremely thin right now. And until... They're able to, to get healthy. I think that that's going to continue to be the case. They play again tonight against Louisiana Tech um, coming up in just over an hour here and then are going to take, uh, like the men, a, a nice little long finals break, which I think will be huge for them because right now they're banged up and, and this team can't really afford to be that way anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, you talk about fifth or sixth year options on last year's team. On this year's team, a fully healthy Vanderbilt with no like you know off-season injuries, Garada is probably like, Sixth man on this team. Yeah, like she's probably coming off the bench, and that's not you know any slander towards her because she's a great player. It would just be you know a really good spark off the bench. It's just a testament to how much they've lost that she is now you know forced to play forty minutes in a game. Yeah,
0: and be be the the absolute number one. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and I think kind of going off that, uh, we did you know some preseason predictions. We did a preview piece, and I think. Uh, I specifically was really worried about just you know all this transition that was happening all the players that Ralph was losing And where is this production going to get filled? And I think you know given that 6-0 start it's actually really spoken to in my opinion The ability of Ralph to coach well and and get the most out of the players I mean we're kind of seeing it fall apart now with the injury to her best player after already losing so many Um, But I think it's it's honestly been pretty impressive how she's been able to string this group together and, and find some wins even amidst a lot of adversity so You know, Not the best results in recent weeks, but I would say I'm I'm still very impressed by the job that Ralph's done. I agree.
1: Yeah, I think overall we've talked about just her ability to kind of fight off those excuses and and be really um, stick to her principles, stick to the way that she wants to play with this team and her ability to do so at the beginning of the year when they obviously got out to that great start. I think we've gotten to a point now, especially with the Harbison injury, where at a certain point those excuses are just going to be valid reasons you know and there's only so much that she can do um and again we had talked about really starting off the beginning of the year with all those games compressed uh they've already played I think it's yeah 11 games so far in their non-conference schedule so I think that the break will be huge kind of getting a reset for this entire team just because there's only so much that, that really the roster can do and really Shea can do um, with the limited numbers, so as I said, they'll take on Louisiana Tech tonight at 6 p.m. Try to get back in the win column um, for the first time since they played USC Upstate, first time in the state uh, or in the month of December. Um, so, best of luck to them. Last before we hop off, um, and I'm Aiden. I'm sure we'll do one more of these over winter break, um, as there's a, a ton of news going on right now. But we're going to do a little bit of transfer portal talk. Yep, Vanderbilt with, I would say. Less than I expected so far uh, in terms of numbers of players who have entered the transfer portals, but mm-hmm. two big ones in Mike Wright and Ray Davis off the bat, which we weren't necessarily expecting.
2: I would say Mike Wright is definitely the more more expected, expected more, yeah. of the two. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, Swan was their guy even a few weeks into the future, the season, yeah, and he's their guy in the future for sure. And Mike Wright, you know, has the talent, has the ability to not only be a starting quarterback but lead a team. So I think that we'll see him go to a, you know another lower-end Power 5 school, maybe a higher next-five school that, that he can start at and really be be their guy and have no doubt about it because I do think he is capable of leading a team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, as sad as it is to see Mike Wright go, I think A.J. Swan definitely has uh, the capabilities, the arm talent, uh, to lead this offense. I would say I'm a bit sad about Wright specifically because I, I yeah. wish that Joey Lynch made more of an effort to really tailor game plans to his yeah. friends. I think... You know, just throughout his whole time here, every start he made, uh, he wasn't really given the benefit of an OC that was really behind him, and I, I do wish that he got more opportunity. With that being said, I do think Suhan is a fantastic player. He showed a lot of great traits as a freshman in terms of arm talent, in terms of poise in the pocket, um, but best, best of which is write because I think he's a great player.
1: Yeah, I think that emotionally he really did a lot for this program yeah. to be the guy that got them over the hump of winning those SEC games, to be the one that kind of pulled them out, of that, that dark hole. And I think that even going back to last year, getting them close and, and really being the face of Clark Lee's rebuild, I think he's going to be a player that's remembered for a long time. And I think I'm with you on it. It's, it's a bummer that he had to go out on on a tough note, like he did against Tennessee, given um, kind of all that he gave for this program. And, and Aiden, to your point, I think he will be able to land on his feet, hopefully at a you know, a comparable school, I'm thinking maybe a Northwestern. That's exactly, that was a, the school that I picked here. Yeah, um, obviously they've had a lot of quarterback troubles over the past couple of years. He was originally committed to UCF before flipping to Vanderbilt as a recruit. I think that could be another good landing spot. Um, and then getting to Ray Davis... Um, not something that we super expected, but also someone who we weren't sure was going to be on the team next year anyway. So it's definitely a blow, but it's not necessarily backbreaking for Vanderbilt. I'll say if they're, it just necessitates um, that they go into the portal and they go into recruiting with running back as a focus, to get some help for, for Patrick Smith, for Chase Gillespie and a couple of other recruits that they have. Um, Last thing I'll say on Davis and then hand it over to you guys. I think, contrary to right he's going to have a ton of options yeah. and and he's going to already be able to play at a lot of places in the SEC and probably beyond he's got offers from Kentucky, Ole Miss, or uh, Mississippi State, Missouri. So that'll be interesting to see where he ends up but I think that one a little less expected.
2: Yeah, I think well, first of all yes, he's a four-star recruit I believe in 24/7 as a transfer. So yep. he'll he'll be able to get, you know, a lot of options. It wasn't like Davis had some incredible non-conference schedule where he was running for 150 yards a game against, like, the four bad teams they played. He put up 100-yard games against Florida, Kentucky. 1,000-yard like, S- rusher. Yeah, yeah, like, he he's a legit player. He will have the opportunity to play at a lot of places. And I do agree. I didn't expect him to be on the team next year. I honestly thought he was going to go to the draft. I thought that so he kind of built up his resume enough to be a later-round slash undrafted type of guy and maybe even make a roster I think he, sh- he showed a lot of prowess I do think it's good time to hit the portal I think that they were gonna hit the portal anyways I really like Patrick Smith we talked about him a lot back in August I thought He could be a guy that usurped Davis's leading role by the end of the year. A little bit of
1: an underwhelming year given our preseason expectations. Yeah,
2: yeah. Definitely in comparison to the preseason expectations. Very underwhelming year. Yeah. I would still like to see him in a more prominent role in the offense, but they're I'd love to see him as the starter next year, frankly. I would too. I think he's shown I think his freshman season he showed a lot of capability. But they're definitely gonna hit the portal and try and find someone to, at the very least, be like a complimentary guy for him.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I would agree on the Davis point that none of us really saw him coming back, whether it was the portal or the draft. Um, but it can't help but think about what could have been with the offense next year with another year of continuity. Yep. Yeah. AJ Swan second year. Um, but yeah, with that being said, you know we were all pretty big on Patrick Smith in the off season. Uh, you know, injuries and other things stood in his way to getting real playing time. But I think when he played, he did show uh, some good complimentary tendencies. And I would love to see him in an expanded role uh, as a lead back.
1: Yeah, I think he showed a lot as a freshman in terms of his ability to both be a pass catching back and also hit holes kind of on the outside, which is not something that Vanderbilt necessarily had. In tandem with Rocco Griffin and Maurice Edwards hitting the portal, this definitely is a group that's going to need not only um, someone as a starting caliber player alongside potentially Patrick Smith, but also some depth on the back end, and that's where you're going to look at, at some more high-score recruits. There's going to be a lot of guys in the portal. Obviously, it's all kind of shaking out right now in terms of it being the first week that the portal is open. Um, I, I tweeted out a couple of names, including old friend Keon Henry Brooks, who was on the team a couple of years ago, which I don't think is going to happen given that <laughs> that uh, I'm not sure if it was necessarily his choice to leave Vanderbilt. But but point being, there should be a lot of options in the portal, like quarterback. I think that running back is a position where a lot of guys want to be the lead guy yeah. and therefore there's there's a lot of them in the portal.
2: I mean there's like at least 20 running backs at Alabama that were five-star recruits. Exactly. Like, that gosh. they want to get their t- Brian, <laughs> Brian Robinson sat for 4 years are you, at Alabama. Well, I was yeah. I
1: Are you saying that if we could just get one of Bama's running backs no, that not would necessarily be <laughs> ideal because no, I, I was I, mean, yeah, so, I was thinking about Jordan Ingram from Auburn, but I
2: was I was more so just saying that like there's plenty of talent yeah. in terms of just guys that are sitting behind other NFL guys like Brian Robinson obviously became the starter that year, but he could have entered the portal because he was sitting behind Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs, like ton of really good players.
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely a lot of a lot of talent in the portal, including uh, our friend Cam Johnson, who <laughs> Yeah, Cam Johnson, the, the
1: good point too, uh, entered the portal yesterday from Arizona State. Obviously, a four-year player at Vanderbilt. One name I'll, I'll add at running back. Arlen Harris Jr. from Stanford. I think Stanford's a program that Vanderbilt should more or less try and raid Poach. this, this offseason, yeah. Um, yeah. whether it be through their active roster or also their recruits. He's someone who a couple years ago was a you know top 350 recruit, four-star running back out there. His profile and, and a lot of guys at Stanford fit kind of with Vanderbilt in terms of that high academic um, mindset. I think that's going to be something that's good for – Good to go after for for Clark's staff and, and will be interesting to watch over the next month. But going back to the big picture, losing Wright and losing Davis, you've really been able to hold on to some other guys who yeah. we thought maybe were shaky. We haven't heard an affirmation one way or another on, on Will Shepard yet, but we have heard that C.J. Taylor will be back as well as a number of other fifth-year guys like Julian Hernandez yep. um, and a couple other players. Mahoney, Mahoney yeah. Um, so I think that, that so far the returns have been – more good than bad, I would say, um, on the in terms of the, the attrition this offseason.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You've seeing a lot of returners and, you know, none really bigger than C.J. Taylor. I think mm-hmm. that uh, the fact that he's returning can't really be understated. He grew so much uh, towards the back half of the season, really took a huge role in this defense. Um, he was just everywhere, especially I'm thinking about that Florida game uh, that Bryce and I were at. Um, but no, no return, I think, is as big as him because I think he is really going to be the centerpiece of this defense, at least for next year, hopefully moving forward as well.
2: Yep. I don't think that I've ever seen an in-season growth of a player in college more <laughs> than a I good saw point. with CJ Taylor. And, yeah. Like I I you know obviously I'm young. I haven't seen that much, but <laughs> I I, I mean he was awesome. I don't even yeah. remember like previewing him and and you know paying much attention to his name in August when we were looking at the roster and all of a sudden now he's like probably the best player on the team. Uh yeah. for next year I think he yeah. will yeah, be. Yeah. Question, yeah. And just, and, just and crazy.
1: A lot of rumblings kind of about him in other sec schools like ray davis down the stretch last year i know when uh, i was up in the press box for the tennessee game there was a couple of reporters i oh well maybe he would he would look good on tennessee blah blah, blah. obviously <laughs> mr tennessee or mr football in tennessee in high school um to hold on to him and and to really have more good than bad this far i think has been a good sign and yeah. I, there will be a lot more movement both in and out as we get over the next month here but Good early, early returns for for Clark's uh, staff, and we'll be, Ansh yep. will be going abroad, so this is his last podcast, pretty much the end of his content. Uh, he'll have a little bit more basketball stuff over the next month, but Aiden and I will be talking football and, and you know, Might have some new recapping faces in the, the signing day and everything that happens over the next month because it will be a big one in terms of all the roster. Yeah, there will um, definitely
2: be another emergency Zoom pod at some point. There will be,
1: hopefully, to break down a, a five star that flips to Vanderbilt the all, Under Armour All American game, but oh yeah we'll see. Um thank you all for listening. Thank you for for listening all semester. We'll be back in the studio here again in January. Hopefully to talk some some good hoops. Thank you Anish for coming on.